0: Onyx Keisha is an award-winning director of film and stage. She is passionate about telling women's stories, and her art is her activism. After being diagnosed with breast cancer, surgery, 20 weeks of chemo, and 9 weeks of radiation, she now has a brand new perspective on life, and it's one that she is willing to share with us today. Thank you so much, Onyx, for coming on and sharing your story. Oh, it
1: is a joy
0: and a pleasure. I'm so, so glad to have you. And as we were talking before I hit record, your cancer journey is still going on
1: and very
0: recent. So can you tell us how it all began?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I had had some uh, issues with my breast. Previously, um, probably around the age of 31, I, I, I did a self-check and I found a, a, a mask. And so I wow. really had to advocate for my doctors to see me, right? Because I wasn't the, the typical age. And so it was nothing, but I um, then was instructed to get checked every year. Um, which in a way was a blessing because I was able to catch my breast cancer when it came relatively soon. Um, And so I uh, turned 40. She uh, doesn't look
0: it for people listening to the podcast. (laughs) She looks like 25, but okay. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. So were you doing self exams?
1: I was doing doing self exams. I was. I was. And I actually missed about two years of going to the doctor. And I, I had a dream and in my dream, it was just like, you have to be aware of your body. And I woke up, I did a self check and I found, I found a lump. I found a lump. And so from there, I called my doctor what? and um, you know, we did the ultrasound, the, the, the mammogram, the biopsy, and they told me it was cancer.
0: You had a dream.
1: I had a dream (laughs) yeah but I think that comes from as women we really have to be in tune with our body so even though it came to me in a dream it was really more that I was very in tune to my body and so I had a feeling that something was off um, and I ignored it, you know, um, which I feel like as women, we do, we get busy, you know, we pour into so many other things and we don't pour into ourselves. And uh, so, yeah, it came in my dream and sure enough, it was, there was a little tiny pebble <laughs> that I felt.
0: Wow. And, and then you said you were 40 at this point.
1: Yeah, I was 40. Mm-hmm. And so even that was a bit of a, Um, struggle being I don't want to say taken seriously but again it was like well you're not at the age where this would typically happen and like I had to wait a couple of weeks for my first appointment as a result my uh, treatment was very aggressive um, because my doctor explained to me um, that because I had it at such a young age, the chances of it coming back was greater. Um, So I went through a really, really aggressive treatment. I'm still in treatment. I'm doing hormones, medication, um, and I have to get a shot in my stomach every four weeks. So it still is a lot. It's it's a forever wow, so journey a, right now. Okay,
0: wow. So take us back. So when was the diagnosis, to give people a timeline?
1: Yeah. So I was diagnosed in uh, 202019. Actually, I got the official, this is exactly what it is on January 2nd. Um, so it was like, happy new year. is that crazy how you remember? <laughs> yeah. It, it, you it, remember the it, exact yeah. day, right? <laughs> yes, I really, really do. <laughs> um, what was a difficult part of my journey um, is my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer and he actually passed away the day before my cancer surgery. Oh, we found out he had. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was just uh, horrible. Oh, I didn't really have time to process really anything. Because we were dealing with, you know, he got lung cancer, and it was pretty sudden. And he took a turn for the worse pretty suddenly. And in the midst of that, I was diagnosed. And um, I remember telling my dad, um, because I struggled, like, I don't want to tell him. But I also didn't want to keep that from him, you know, and I told him and he had just such sadness in his eyes. And he's like, we're going to make it. And at that point, I knew he wasn't going to make it. And um, it was just, yeah. it was a moment, you know, you don't want to bond with your parents on that kind of level, you know, both fighting right. cancer. Right. Um, but uh, he definitely gave me the the push to fight. And that's what I did.
0: Well, tell us about, uh, well, first of all, I'm so sorry for your loss mm-hmm. for your father. And I just I can see how you would not have even had time to process the grief. Mm -hmm. I mean, you didn't. You had to get into fighting mode. Walk us through those steps because most people don't really know what they are or they misunderstand.
1: Absolutely. Um, So the first thing that I had to do was get a lumpectomy. Um, and I went back and forth with my doctor, my oncologist, and my surgeon about if we were going to do a mastectomy or a lumpectomy, and so probably uh, not even the week before surgery, I decided to get a lumpectomy, and so one of the things that I think is really was the scariest part (laughs) was you know, before you uh, actually go to surgery, and they want to check your lymph nodes, l- lymph nodes. Said that correctly. Um, and um, they have to inject you. And so I was injected in my nipple area, in my areola, with three shots. Um, and that was very difficult for me. Um, and it's like I had so much anxiety leading up to that. And so when I talk to women. I always like to talk about those little things because we focus on the big things, right, but it's the little things that we have to kind right. of prepare for um and so did that, and then I had surgery, and it was um a little bit of a recovery, not much, but it was a little painful and then I had to get a lot of uh, genetic testing done and um just to uh figure out which was going what course of action was going to be best and you know my doctor said 20 weeks of chemo and i could not fathom that i couldn't fathom chemo chemo was really uh my biggest fear like okay i can do cancer but chemo i don't know if i could you know you hear all the horror stories um and then 20 weeks of chemo, <laughs> like, I I I could not uh, process that fully, um, but I got through it. And my doctors, um, you know, when you go through your cancer journey, your doctors become family, <laughs> you know, so my chemo family, they were um, very supportive and really encouraged me to look at things in, in blocks, you know, so the first part of my treatment was eight weeks. And so we counted down eight weeks. And then before I knew it, it was 20 weeks. Um, one thing that I did, I never sat on the examination table in the doctor's office. And that was my way of having some power. So whenever I went to you know do my checkups, do my blood work, I always sat in the chair. I never sat on the table. And every time I took a picture, of me not sitting on the table. And I was very vocal about my journey. And I would say things like, still not sitting on the table. Um, For some reason, for me, (laughs) (laughs) sitting on the examination table in the doctor's office made me feel sick. And I needed to claim some kind of power. And that could be different for so many different women, but whatever it is, whatever helps you, to maintain a sense of, I have control when your body feels so out of control, it really helps. And the only time I sat on that table was when he told me I was cancer free out of that entire time. Oh,
0: gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Wow. Um, uh, I understand why you did it. And I find that mm-hmm. so interesting. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: So chemo, you did the chemo.
1: Yeah, I did the chemo. Yeah. But what
0: came after chemo?
1: Whoa, radiation, you know, we underestimate how difficult radiation is, because we are, you know, society pressed us for chemo. Chemo is horrible. You know, you're gonna lose your hair. I shaved my head, you know, all the medication. Um, I traveled when I was on chemo. I traveled and still worked. I, I did not want to stop living. Um, but radiation made me sit down. And so I had to do nine weeks of radiation. And when you do radiation, you go every day, Monday through Friday. Um, and it's really short, you know, in chemo you're sitting there hooked up to an IV for hours. Right. But a lot of times I I was sleeping because of the medication that they give you. Um, but with radiation, it's so quick, but it hurts um, the healing process. My skin, got so dark and um, raw and um, open sores and pussy and the reminder every single day. No, no uh, break, you know, Um, and being so close to the end of your treatment, but still so far. So radiation was really difficult. Like I said, I traveled, and I worked and I performed all through chemo, even when I had some low moments, but I could not with radiation. I couldn't do it. I had to really, really? rest and heal. And, you know, it made me sit down.
0: And when does radiation end? When's, when's the end of that? What, where are we in the timeline now?
1: So, yeah, radiation is, has ended. Um, and so now uh, we're on to the hormone therapy for. 10 years, five to 10 years. So, um, but radiation is, has So ended. this is mm-hmm. like fall of, fall of
0: 2019
1: or so. Um, when radiation ended? this time? Mm, yeah. Radiation ended in, uh, fall almost, almost right into 2020. Yeah. Right okay. around that, that right. time. Um, You got done just before COVID. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, listen, I, I it was cancer. It was COVID, and I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's exactly what happened as I was uh, celebrating. I couldn't even really celebrate, uh, you know, being cancer-free fully, you know, how I wanted to uh, because COVID came and we were all put into hysteria.
0: Right. Uh, Tell me about, because I'm still trying to wrap my head around, because I don't think this used to be – the standard of care, but I'm really trying to understand now this ongoing hormone therapy after breast cancer. Tell me a little bit more about that because I don't think even 10 years ago that was standard of care.
1: Yeah. So um, because I am premenopausal one and because um, the type of cancer that I had Um, They really stressed that hormone uh, therapy was going to be a key factor in cancer not coming back. And they initially said 10 years. They said sometimes after five, you can come off of the medication. And so I take a pill. I also um, have to get a shot. Um, And so the shot, every four weeks I go, I get a shot in my stomach. It is... um, you know, not a typical shot. It's like they put like these little pellets in. It's a it's a nice sized needle. I don't feel it um, because I really numb my area with ice. But I I always look at the nurses, and the nurse always has a, a um, an expression when she has to give it to me. Um, and she's just like, "Are Wait. you are you okay? Hold on.
0: <laughs> are we talking yes. about the rice pellets?" The rice um, pellets.
1: It's a pellet. I don't they're know like rice. Is,
0: they're like the size of a grain of rice. Yeah, yeah. Girl, those are painful. Yeah. Those are awful. Yeah. I don't like yeah. those.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. How you
0: do that every month.
1: Yeah. It's um. It's a lot. I often struggle with this part of it. You know, because it really is about quality of life. One thing that I have learned is, you know, for me, I didn't go through cancer and say. I'm going to beat it. Yes. I didn't know. I just knew that my faith told me that whatever was to be was going to be. And all I had to do was continue to show up and continue to fight. But I wasn't convinced that I was going to beat it. Right. And so because of that, my thought process is not so much on the longevity of life as much as it is on the quality of life. Um, And Um, my oncologist, you know, I love him. He's wonderful, but he really focuses on the longevity of life. We want you to live. We don't want this to come back. We want to give you as much chance as possible, you know? Um, But feeling so chained to medication, which in a lot of times translates to fear, is not exactly the quality of life that I desire to have for the next be it 10 years or 50 years that i live there's a
0: quote i think you'll appreciate by abraham lincoln um where he said it's not the years in your life it's the life in your years
1: yes, yes so true so i'm gonna have
0: to and i you know i'm really glad you brought up quality of life because i talked to yeah. you so many patients who don't question the doctor, who don't ask Mm. about alternatives, who don't, you know, and and so I'm really, really glad that you brought that up. So have you explored or thought about doing other things or are you supplementing right now with, with other things, whether it's, um, nutrition or herbs Mm -hmm. or anything of that nature?
1: Yeah. So, um, initially I did not question my doctors at all um I was like okay pump this poison into me okay this is the best you know <laughs> I'm sorry, I should have let pump this poison into me okay <laughs> I was just like well whatever you say I'm gonna do it and while I'm grateful that I did go through with full treatment I'm very grateful
0: now
1: I'm definitely questioning Now I'm definitely asking for alternatives. Now I'm making sure that like once I was cleared to go on a different eating plan, have supplements, work out, you know, once all of those things were um, a go for me, I said the best thing I can do, number one, is get my body healthy the right way. Um, And then I'm really going to explore some other options. That's the journey I'm starting right now um talking to a holistic doctor and really figuring it out because number 1 there's this big issue about if i if i want to have uh another child and you know my doctor is like well we really don't advise it until 5 years after i'm like but then i'll be 45 and you know then other doctors are advising me not to, and if it's, if it's possible, because they also want me to have another surgery to have my ovaries removed. Um, and you know, so it's a lot of ongoing pressure. And rather than what I did in the past say, okay, if, if, if taking my ovaries is going to make sure it doesn't come back, then I'll do that. If getting this shot in my stomach is gonna make sure then I'm not gonna do that. Now I'm questioning. Um, Like what is going to be best for my body and my spirit?
0: I love that. And your spirit. Um, Don't let me forget. I'm going to hook you up after this. Okay. That's what you need to meet, I think. Oh, okay. Um, What was your worst moment so far in all of this? I mean, it's only been two years, but what was your worst moment?
1: So my my absolute worst moment, um, which I believe was also the start of my faith journey so in a lot of ways it was my best moment (laughs) but my worst moment was after the second round of chemo when it actually started to set in and I had the I think it's called melasta that they put on your arm to to give you after chemo and I had a really bad reaction to that and I kept saying I felt like a shadow of myself like I I can't explain it I didn't feel sick I just felt like a shadow. And I remember um, going to the balcony and we were like on the top floor, um, right over Atlantic Station in, in Georgia, which is this really like beautiful area. And in that moment, I felt like I couldn't do it. In that moment, I felt like I wanted to jump. And I never experienced that. But the feeling of being disconnected from my body, from my spirit um, was so uh, traumatizing for me that I didn't think that I could continue on. And it was really low because I couldn't communicate that. I couldn't um, ask for help. I couldn't uh, even find the words, you know? Like if someone says, I feel like a shadow of myself, if you don't experience that, then you don't know what what they're talking about, you know? Um, And in that moment, which was definitely the worst um is also when i prayed you know and i didn't pray for healing i prayed for peace just my soul my spirit was so restless and i just really prayed for peace and i turned around i uh called my doctor and i said i think i really need to speak to a therapist and he set me up right away. I started therapy that day. Good that was for my you.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Good yeah. for you,
0: though, for saying something, for, for, for taking yeah. that step. Well, What was your best moment then?
1: My uh, community, my uh, social media community, um, and how they really walked with me on my journey collectively, I would say that those are some of my most powerful moments. We talk a lot about how technology disconnects us. We talk a lot about how the art of communication and connection and companionship is gone. But my, my following, my community, they really showed up for me. And when I was happy, you know, they were celebrating with me when I was Um, feeling not so good, they were right there to encourage me. And so while it's not one moment, I do really acknowledge that strangers or rather people we don't know in person can really make a huge impact. And without my, my support system, my followers, um, my community, I don't feel like I would have had such an empowering journey. Did you already
0: have that community prior to being diagnosed?
1: So I did already have a pretty significant following because of the work that I do, but they never, um, it was always, I don't want to say a superficial connection, but I didn't get real personal ever. (laughs) Um, And so when I, when I, because I was going to hide. I wasn't, I was going to go away and deal with it. And then uh, when I prayed, I just really prayed about it. And I said, I've, I've been giving a, given a platform. And when people think, especially in the black community, when people think about cancer, they think about like their old auntie or the little kid with a bald head they see on TV. They don't see a reflection of themselves. And because they don't see that reflection, um, they don't take care of the things that they need to. And so I just really felt like I was very relatable. I had a platform and if I could save anybody just by showing up, just by being transparent, just by rocking my bald head, you know, then I felt like it was worth it. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what really changed my mind. I just well, thought about the impact.
0: Well, how interesting, though, that you weren't so personal before.
1: Yeah. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> hey, right? And then when you were personal, I mean, you were personal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: You were, sounds like you were very raw. Very I open. was.
1: I was very transparent because sometimes people are afraid to ask, you know? Um, mm-hmm. There's been so many women over my journey who have confided in me. Um, And every time I hear a story, every time I hear somebody is diagnosed, it just, it sinks my heart a little bit, you know, because I know the journey that they're about to go on. And I know in the moment, it feels like it's the worst thing. But when you get through it, it truly is so empowering. I am changed for the better. I'm grateful for my experience. Oh. It is just, it's made me the woman that I am today. And I really just think it's important that as women, we share, we share our stories. We don't hide behind this illusion of perfection or that we're not scared, we're not hurt, we're not angry, you know? Um, When I got diagnosed, I was at what I thought was the height of my career. You know, I had just uh, did this event with uh, Kerry Washington and I was um, eating dinner with Felicia Rashad and I was, you know, working on Broadway. In my mind, it was the height of my career. I didn't know what God had in store, (laughs) you know, that's something different, but I was angry. You know, I was like, God, I've been working. I've been doing this. And why me? Why now? Like my dad and me and I was angry um, and I didn't hide that, you know, and I processed it. I didn't hide it from myself. I didn't hide it from my loved ones. And I was able to get past it. So I just think there's power in being transparent because you never know who you're going to help or touch. Okay.
0: That's it right there. I have to remember this part right here. There's power (laughs) in being transparent. I, I love that. Um, and you know, I think people sometimes dismiss anger, Yeah. but there are a myriad of emotions that people go through and and Mm -hmm. people go through them in different phases. Mm -hmm. And the one thing about anger that's good is it means you're living in reality versus denial, because if you're angry, then you are really aware of the situation. Yes. So that's one thing is anger can ground you in the reality versus denial where it's just not happening.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, so good for you. Well, what is the one thing you wish you'd known at the very beginning of your cancer journey two-ish years ago?
1: I wish I would have known how hard survivorship is. Um, we don't talk about that. And for me, survivorship was harder than my journey. Um, I had to relearn my body. I had to uh, process this constant fear, walking in fear that it was going to come back. Not feeling well and being afraid that it was a sign. Going from seeing your doctors every week to seeing your doctors every three months. Um, it's still being so real and raw to you, yet other people have moved past it. Um, Another thing, I said I was going to write a book, like what not to say, you know, to cancer survivors, <laughs> Because, you know, so many people will come up to me and be like, Oh, you know, it's so great. You know, you beat it. My aunt had breast cancer three times. And it's like, I don't need to hear that. <laughs> you know. So for me, I think the biggest thing that I was not prepared for was the emotions that came with surviving, with with beating and life after that.
0: We hear that a lot and I it's something we're working on um be, mm-hmm. because we don't look at survivors as survivors so much as Alumni. (laughs) Uh
1: So, if you're part of
0: Cancer, you you are alumni, and we want to, just like alumni of any university, we want to support you and provide Mm -hmm. you with services and and connect you with others. Because Mm I have heard that from many, you know, many survivors that no one prepared them for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It is by far the most emotional, the most scary, scariest, sorry, um, the loneliest time, you know? And I'm just now to a point where I feel like I can begin to live again. But for a while, you know, I felt really trapped, trapped by my uh, diagnosis sorry to hear that
0: if you could do one thing you only get one it's hard <laughs> to improve healthcare in the U.S.
1: what would mm-hmm. it be and why um I I would really want us to be more intentional about providing a space for patients to advocate for themselves when I first felt a mask I had to really fight to be seen Also, I had to really advocate for myself so many times throughout my um, journey, Um, but I know that that's not the case for everyone. I was gifted at advocating because of my background, but there are so many women who, who would not be able to stand in front of a doctor and say no I know what I'm feeling. No, you know, I know what I need. Um and so I really that's one thing that I would improve just a uh, an intentional supportive avenue for patients to advocate for themselves and not just you know go with the flow. I think especially in underserved communities. So I I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine what it would be like going through this journey and not having the resources that I had, not having the support, not having the home, not having the finances. I cannot imagine what that would be like. Well, know? that is definitely
0: a gap Cancer used is trying to fill. And it, and it came mm-hmm. out of my own experience mm-hmm. of, of losing my sister to cancer um, and then starting a nonprofit, but really just seeing that, giving some educational material wasn't enough
1: that yes.
0: 95% of people are not natural advocates like, yeah. Yeah. And, but you can't teach it. It's a skill people mm-hmm. can learn. Um, and it's like you said, so critical. Yeah. It's absolutely critical that you speak up. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't want the doctors to think that, and for the podcast listeners, my cat has once again joined, you know, the interview. <laughs> she always thinks I'm talking to her. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't wanna poo poo the doctors because right. it's not always the doctors. I mean, many right. times they have to follow yes. a very specific, you know, structure totally. test, you know, it's it's not really them necessarily. Um, sometimes right. it can be, but not always. Mm-hmm. Um, but good for you for standing up for yourself and just and just knowing your body. Yeah. Just really. Knowing knowing your body. Um,
1: Thank
0: you. Are you ready for these Thriver rapid-fire questions?
1: I'm ready. Let's go. Oh, I can't (laughs) wait to hear
0: the hear the answers. All right, here we go. Beach, desert, or mountains?
1: I would say desert.
0: Ooh, interesting. Interesting. Beach Boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones?
1: Beatles all day.
0: Wow, that was really definitive. Oh, (laughs) oh yes.
1: I love the Beatles uh, 100%.
0: (laughs) What is one word that best describes you?
1: Passionate. Yeah, Yeah. I see that. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) And before you die, what is the last song you want to hear?
1: God Is by Kanye West from his gospel album.
0: (laughs) I like it. Okay. All right. Last meal you want to eat?
1: Uh, pizza from New Jersey.
0: Okay. I did not know that New Jersey had good
1: pizza. Yes. Yes. Yes, they do. do. I mean, (laughs) New York does too, but New Jersey has the best. (laughs) Okay. Good to know. Um, Uh,
0: Who's the last person you want to see?
1: Uh, my children.
0: And the last words you will speak.
1: I would say face it. That's my saying. Face it. It's okay to fear it, but face it and face it, because you're going to get through.
0: Yeah, there's been so many versions of this quote, and it's been attributed to so many people, but it's something like, courage is not lack of fear. It's having the fear and just moving forward anyway. Yes. To your point.
1: Just moving forward. Yes. And that's what cancer taught me, (laughs) because I was afraid, (sighs) but I moved forward. I just kept going, kept pushing, kept kept believing kept
0: believing yeah i love that onyx kept believing um aside from cancer you what is one resource that you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers and i definitely want you to talk about yourself a little bit and your
1: community Mm -hmm. absolutely um so i first of all the, the number one resource um i would say is might seem simplistic but it's google um, sometimes we get afraid to search because we are afraid of the answers. Um, but before you do anything, definitely Google, search. Um, go on YouTube and find women who are being candid about their journey reach out to people, hit your social media platforms, Um, connect, 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 because it's easy to feel alone. But when you understand that you're not alone, you have millions of women who are standing in front of you and behind you, then you know you have what it takes to push through. Um, So for me specifically, I started a movement called the Pink Lemonade Movement. Um, and it's basically, it's worth the squeeze. Um, and it is really focused on, (laughs) it is focused on, um, women of color and underserved communities who are just, uh, not focusing on their health. Whether it is, um, obesity, diabetes, all, all which aids to breast cancer. Um, You know, uh, it's a movement that I've, I've, I'm really passionate about. I have so many pink uh, lemons. If I had one right now, I would show you. <laughs> um, but I have hot pink lemons. <laughs> and we, um, you know, right before COVID hit, our plan was to just show up at the club, you know, and not just hand out information, like you said, but be an example and say, listen, I just went, just went through this. It's okay, it's scary. If you feel something, get checked, go to the doctor. You know, if you need a buddy, we're here. Um, So that's something I'm really passionate about. We're having our first big event uh, late October where we're going to raise money um, and we're really gonna help to get some resources in certain communities that don't have them. Um, I'm also a filmmaker. Uh, that is my theater, is my heart, and film is my love, and so I really like to use my skill set and my platform <laughs> to help tell stories, um, and help shed some light, uh, and really facilitate help facilitate conversations. Um, because unless you've experienced cancer, whether it's you or someone that you love, uh, you're people are really hesitant to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to know about it. They don't want to experience it. But when I can create a story where you fall in love with the character, where you can connect and those lines are blurred that divide us, then it allows you to be open to that experience. And when you're open to that experience, maybe it can help you or help someone that you love.
0: Wow. Well, how can people find out more about this movement? Where can they go? Uh,
1: Absolutely. So um, I am on excuse everything on social media. Um, and so my ID, my YouTube, um, my Twitter, my Facebook, I'm always posting about pink lemonade. Um, I post, uh, well, during the month of October, I post daily videos with little facts. And now um, as we gear up for October, every month, we do a, a breast cancer talk. We do a, um, a conversation. We drop nuggets. Um, and also the pink lemonade org is our website. Um, but yeah, really the best way um, to find out is on my social media, instant access. Um, and you can just find out everything that we have going on.
0: I am so, so excited and so thrilled that you shared your story today. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I, love sharing my story um and i find that it's way more important to talk about than some of the other things that people want to talk about so i really appreciate just the opportunity like when i was going through my journey i wish someone would attack me and said hey 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 check out this podcast <laughs> check out this resource yeah. because it would have completely helped me not feel so alone
0: Oh. All right. Well, we may have to have you back. So
1: I I would love to come back.
0: (laughs) Thank you so, so much.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five star rating and review and tell your friends about us subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.